0: Midday hits the airwaves on the Rural Radio Network. Welcome to Thursday. Dirk Christensen with you here, and I'm surrounded by what we call the Brain Trust. For people who have the information, I just kind of... Just the glue between all of this stuff. Think of me as mortar.
1: I was going to say Gorilla Glue, considering who's all sitting here, so... Now, are you
0: the stronger grade of Gorilla Glue, or the The cheap regular? stuff. Well, I'm... Uh, Let's put it this way. You remember the commercial with the guy in the hard hat stuck to the uh, iron bar right. up there, right? That's yeah. me.
1: I always wondered how he didn't well, fall down. Yeah. I mean, holding on just
0: that. Yeah you think his head would just pop off. You'd think. Anyway. Well, listen to that. We've got a familiar voice in through the station with us today. Susan Littlefield is here. Yeah,
1: I, I put some wind sails on my vehicle and, and flew this <laughs> way. <laughs>
0: nice job. Yeah. Good news yesterday. You covered that uh, big event, big news at Greater Omaha Packing.
1: It was absolutely amazing to be there and see the excitement of everybody that was there, from the employees, uh, from the folks that were packing the meat, to all the way up to the president. As they talked about, they are the first company... In all of the U.S. to be able to ship beef to China. Out of the three that have been approved, two of them are Greater Omaha Packing. So we're going to catch up with the president. That's going to come up at uh, 1245, and we'll find out more about the ins and outs of what's been done and how the reaction has come from chefs and other countries calling wanting some of the meat that greater Omaha does as well so it's good news not only for Omaha but really good news for all of Nebraska nice. we're going to catch up with Dean Hefta as well at t- uh, 1219 and then Joe's got a conversation with Tamara Jackson Zeems as she talks about bacterial leaf streak if
0: that doesn't sound intriguing I'm I'm shaking in my boots you'll just
1: have to wait till 117
0: to find out yeah okay all right I'll do that that it? That is it. All right, thanks very much. And uh, we'll move on over to sports then, Jason. And uh, a notable player not making the U.S. Open. Huh?
2: Yeah, Phil Mickelson is not there for the first time since 1993. He has a good reason. One of his kids is graduating high school.
0: Yeah, well, I, I guess when you you don't have to uh, win every tournament to put the food on the table, that's that's, that's not be a true.
2: Now we were discussing here where his his wife had come out publicly and said, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's it's up to him. He oh, he right. doesn't have to be around. <laughs> right, uh-huh. but <Bye. laughs> yeah. yeah, no, I think that's
0: laudable. More more sports figures should do
2: that. They should. Yep. Family should come first. Yep. He's he's played in a bunch of U.S. Opens, and uh, you know he did the right thing absolutely there. so we'll touch on that also the warriors will be and their fans will be celebrating uh, later on today their nba championship and the nebraska high school finals rodeos getting started yeah. in hastings today that's always a big event that will run at the adams county fairground and then that will
0: conclude on saturday all right we'll look forward to all that and over at the business desk we have bob brogan
3: u.s stocks are falling today following lower international markets um also uh US home builder sentiment has edged a little bit uh, a little bit lower in June home builders feeling slightly less optimistic. Uh there's uh, more evidence of a stronger labor market and Fiat Chrysler is recalling some Dodge Grand Caravans. Another uh, issue out there Nike is going to slash 1,400 jobs and cut sneaker styles in shakeup. So I'm just wondering What they're working on.
0: Where Uh, are those jobs for Nike?
3: I don't know, but uh, they want to be more nimble on their feet, so to speak, (laughs) in the business world and sell more (laughs) shoes directly to customers online,
0: which is a, a trend. Run faster, jump higher. It's all coming up for you today on Midday. Regional Ag Weather brought to you by Heritage Homes of Nebraska, the preferred rural builder. Find out more at HeritageHomesOfNE.com. And to find out more about the weather, we always go to Paul Perkins.
4: And it continues to kind of get worse and worse for the outlook for much of Kansas right now. Oh, yeah,
0: it really does. That uh, that new uh, wording out of Wichita doesn't look that good.
4: No, it does not. Uh, for most of us today, going to be a sunny and warmer day. For most of us to the northwest, of this front that's draped across South Southeast Nebraska and central and nice, east Kansas to the northwest of that front is going to continue to remain less humid with that westerly flow. But that stalled front from southeast Nebraska into central Kansas, the focus later today for some scattered late-day thunderstorms and the slight risk for severe storms right along in southeast of the line from Omaha to Superior and Plainville. That's where we could see some golf ball-sized hail and wind gusts here around 70 miles per hour. There's a higher or enhanced risk for severe Thunderstorms over central and east Kansas if you're along and south of I 70, but right in south central Kansas from Salina and points to the south, they now have a high risk of severe weather. And in that area over central and south central Kansas, they are looking at the potential of hail up to baseball size hail, damaging winds to around 70 miles, 75 miles per hour and also tornado uh, cannot be completely ruled out. And to add to uh, the uh, badness of the situation, they have a heat index ratings right now, 100 to 105, because the dew point a lot higher as you head towards Salina, Kansas. It's 66 right now at Salina for a dew point. That compares with right in... um, the mid 50s for low 50s for two points on into central nebraska so a lot of heat and humidity to the south of that front and of course that will add to the instability later today and the potential for some severe weather and we will keep you posted so central and east kansas and southeast nebraska be on the lookout for that potential for severe weather today. Temperatures do remain warm tomorrow and Saturday across the entire area. Area Area-wide thunderstorms are possible late in the day tomorrow into tomorrow night with another disturbance. More thunderstorms are expected to start in the north Saturday. They'll spread south Saturday evening and continue into the overnight. Those storms should be gone, though, by Sunday morning. A northwest flow on Father's Day will keep it seasonably cool, but more heat returns early next week. Big ridge of high pressure expands up from the desert southwest. By midweek, we could see some off and on thunderstorm chances. And just to show you, Dirk, how much heat there is over the desert southwest, by Tuesday in Phoenix, they're expecting highs around 118. <laughs> and they have heat warnings in Arizona, so you know it's bad when they issue wow. heat warnings in Arizona.
0: You're sure that's not Phoenix on Mars? <laughs>
4: yeah, no kidding. Yeah. Yeah. For the long-term, temperatures in Nebraska and Kansas expected to be warmer than normal Tuesday through June 28th because of that high-pressure ridge over the desert southwest. There's also a good likelihood of below-normal precipitation for Nebraska and Kansas Tuesday through the 28th. Now, the National Weather Service released their forecast for July through September today. For temperatures in July through September, above-normal temperatures are predicted across much of the U.S. The chances, though, of it being warmer than normal in the central U.S., though, are reduced. The highest chances for above-normal temperatures are forecast across the Midwest and eastern U.S., especially in the northeast. Precipitation actually looks to be near normal in much of the U.S., including Nebraska and Kansas, for July through September. Above-normal rain is forecast for the Dakotas, much of Montana, and western Minnesota, which is good news in light of their current drought issues. In the latest drought monitor... No concerns for dryness in Nebraska, but we are starting to see some concerns in Kansas. Abnormal dryness in southeast Kansas and also Clark County in southwest Kansas. In the markets today, weather factors include an easing of the heat in the Midwest through the weekend and favorable conditions for the wheat harvest in the southern plains. The next five days, additional rain expected to fall in the Corn Belt and along the eastern seaboard. Warmer-than-average weather will continue through much of the country over the next few days. In the Midwest, increasing rain and the more moderate temperatures will improve the conditions after recent heat and dryness. Rain in the northern plains this week ease the stress in spring wheat and corn areas after dryness recently become a problem. The hot and dry weather of the southern plains through next week, that will help out with the wheat ripening and with harvest of wheat. Row Cops, though, going to need extensive irrigation.
0: Ag Weather brought to you by Heritage Homes of Nebraska. Get more at heritagehomesofne.com. And, you know, with all this kind of volatility and uh, the dry, the wet, the hot, the cold, and everything else, it's really got the markets wondering what's next.
4: Yeah, exactly. Uh, You know, I don't think they're looking at as big a drop concerns over the Dakotas right now with that above normal rain through July, September. Of course, Mother Nature may have another plan. We'll wait and see on that.
0: (laughs) She's fickle, that's for Uh sure. All right, Paul, thanks very much. A reminder for everybody that as we go through the afternoon, we'll have storm center coverage brought to you by Skeeter Barnes, best beef and barbecue around, and by American Family Insurance serving Carney and Lexington. And when you need weather anytime,
4: KRBN.com.
1: Good afternoon as we take a look at the agricultural news. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. Well, there's a new battle going on now, and it involves proposed changes to nutrition labels for food. The Washington Post is reporting, it says, following sustained lobbying from the packaging, food supply, and beverage industry, the Food and Drug Administration announced that this week it in de- delays the launch of nutrition fact labels intended to help Americans eat more healthy. Now, the labels, once championed by former First Lady Michelle Obama, were poised to add a special line for added sugars and emphasized calorie content in large, bold text. They had been scheduled for rollout to July of 2018 with a one-year extension for those smaller manufacturers. This delay is the latest reversal in the Obama administration's nutrition reforms under the current administration. On April 27th, the FDA also delayed rules that would have required calorie counts on restaurant menus. Then a week later, the Department of Agriculture loosened the minimum requirements for the amount of whole grain in school lunches and delayed future so sodium reductions. Consumer groups are calling the Nutrition and Facts delay an attack on public health. The largest groups in the food industry, meanwhile, are celebrating what they call a win for common sense regulations. The Senate Ag Committee held a hearing this morning on agricultural research, perspectives of past and future successes for the 2018 Farm Bill. Kansas Senator Pat Roberts asked about research on wheat strip and rust. Dr. Jacobs Young is the administrator of the Agricultural Research Service.
5: So ARS manages the wheat and barley scab initiative and in which is a coalition of university federal and industry partners and um, I would just like to say that they have been working very hard on developing new varieties that um, that increase resilience and reduce vulnerability and because of their efforts over the past 10 years we've been able to reduce the amount of mycotoxin in wheat by 32 percent in Durham wheat and so we see some real um we see some real evidence of the work that they've done in the in the varieties that have been um, released. Uh, we've also identified wheat that is resistant to UG99, and while we don't have it here in the United States, we have developed varieties that are being planted around the world, and so we will be prepared. We have a diagnostic to determine the difference between UG-99 rust and other rust pathogens, and, of course, our wheat quality laboratories, which we're very familiar with around the country that have been so instrumental to the wheat industry. So we're working very hard in releasing varieties that have increased tolerance or resistance to some of the diseases that we're being faced with.
1: Now, Senator Roberts does continue to stress to his colleagues that they've got their work cut out when it comes to Farm Bill reauthorization. Support for the McGovern Dole and Food for Peace program were expressed by USDA Secretary Sonny Perdue in his appearance at the Senate Appropriations Subcommittee session, an apparent break with the Trump administration's fiscal 2018 budget that has proposed ending the McGovern Dole efforts significantly. He said he admitted certainly on research and development, on rural development, on crop insurance, and I think on this area, where I think the budget can benefit for some guidance. Perdue said he signaled that he is asking for providing questions on the effectiveness of the administration in the program, something the budget document raised questions about in terms of why they opted to propose elimination of the funding for this effort. If I don't make you proud of what you do in the rural development over the next year, I'll be happy to have another Undersecretary for Rural Development directed by the 2018 Farm Bill. A judge on Wednesday approved the sale of more than two dozen Marsh Supermarket LLC's stores located in Indiana and Ohio to affiliates of Kroger Company and Fresh Encounter Markets. It's selling for $24 million. More news at RuralRadio.com. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network.
6: Dewey Nelson back on the Rural Radio Network. We're joined by Dean Hefta of Water Street Solutions. Well, on an interesting note, Dean is up at the farm in northeast North Dakota in the Red River Valley region, and maybe you can give us a little synopsis since we see this double-digit rally in Chicago and Kansas City wheat futures, what it's like up there.
3: Yeah, I've been traveling here uh, this past week, uh, seeing crops in different parts of the country up here in North Dakota right now. You know, the Dakotas, you've got a tale of kind of a couple of different cities, you could say, the central part of the Dakotas, Really been struggling with dryness, uh, whereas as you get to the more northeastern part, they've had some more rains uh, saving them and keeping things green, still mowing lawns. Spring wheat looks pretty good. It's on the younger side uh, in this area right here. Some guys down towards Fargo, you know, concerned that uh, it's going to be a pretty short-statured crop, but with some saving rains, things still looking pretty good, whereas you go west and, and south of here, you know, it's it's too late for a lot of those areas.
6: Now you said you traveled up there, so maybe you can also give us a little review what you saw in the parts of Minnesota that you drove drove through.
3: Yeah, Minnesota, Iowa, uh, even uh, western Illinois. Uh, I'd say it's it's still spotty. It's still up and down. Uh, different uh, different regions have dealt with different. I'd say emergence and uh, conditions. You've got some corn areas that just don't have the population that maybe you'd like to see, or the even evenness. But you also have pockets that look, uh, look really nice, really even. So same thing as you go east in the eastern Corn Belt, a lot of, um, a lot of pockets of uh, kind of poor stands, poor emergence for corn.
6: So I think uh, protein will still be a main driver when it comes to wheat futures, particularly Minneapolis and uh, Kansas City. So overall, that uptrend might continue.
3: Yeah, I know um, Minneapolis wheat has been the star, and it's been on quite a sprint. And uh, this morning it was down hard, but, you know, we're not finding follow-through selling. Uh sounds like there's some commercials that uh, still have uh, – they're, they're, they're caught um, short on ownership, and so that seems to be helping here. And it's the tightest balance sheet of, the, of all of the crops, and so the story isn't over yet. Uh, You know, we've got the the crop to finish and and to grow yet in front of us.
6: Definitely. And we're going to be uh, always be observant of weather happenings now the next several weeks, including the soybean trade, which is going to be focused more into mid-July when the crop is made. So, again, upside potential. Are we going to see this in the corn, or are we going to stay in this stagnant 20-cent 25-cent trading range that we've been in for seven months?
3: Yeah, we came back in here the past few days. Uh, I don't expect us to get followed through to the downside. You've still got, uh, I think, some weak lungs that you shook out this past week, but a huge short week, uh, short position sitting under the market by the fund. So uh, that should provide a support. We've got the heart of the growing season ahead of us, and uh, some models are showing some ridge building as we move into January, into July, that critical pollination period. And if that does build, that's going to bring weather premium for real into the market on the forecast of that as we get closer so i i don't think it's over yet Uh, we've got uh, a more precarious situation with fewer acres and lower crop conditions than we've had in the past
6: thanks dean dean hefta reporting from northeast north dakota his home territory he's with water street solutions have questions go to waterstreet.org or call 866-249-2528 and as we speak Two to three higher in corn. Soybeans five to six and a half higher. Chicago wheat 11 to 12 and a half higher. Kansas City wheat 11 higher. I'm mm-hmm. Dewey Nelson.
0: You're listening to Midday on the Rural Radio Network, and it's time to check sports with Jason Jorgensen.
2: Hey, thanks, Derek. Well, Ricky Fowler's making Aaron Hills look like something other than a brutal U.S. Open course. Dustin Johnson, on the other hand, is making it look every bit as tough as advertised. Fowler made six birdies through his first 11 holes to take a lead of six under. Johnson had spent lots of time in the knee-high grass this morning. He hadn't made the turn yet, but was already nine shots behind the leader. And 20 years after... After he won his second U.S. Open, Ernie Els is getting in the mix. Big Easy played his front nine at 432 and at one point was just two shots behind Fowler. Els' highlight came on the par three ninth when he landed his tee shot about six feet from the cup and made birdie. Forty-seven-year-old South African has really struggled this year on the PGA. Can finish better than 35th. Hastings is the site of the Nebraska High School Finals Rodeo. That event started up today. It will run through Saturday at the Adams County Fairgrounds. Three members of this year's Nebraska baseball team heard their names called yesterday during the Major League Baseball draft. As juniors, Jake Myers, Luis Alvarado, and Scott Schreiber were all picked up. Myers was the first to come off the board when the Houston Astros took him with the 16th pick in the. 13th round, and two picks later, Alvarado was selected by Seattle. Schreiber was picked up in the 26th round by the Tampa Bay Rays. His brother Brad is in that organization as well. He plays for the Rays' Double A A farm team. Well, in baseball, Red Sox ace Chris Sale goes for his eighth straight win and ninth of the season in the finale of that three-game series of Philadelphia. It would tie Sale with Houston's Dallas Keuchel, Kansas City's Jason Vargas, and the Dodgers' Clayton Kershaw from the Major League lead and wins. Colorado rookie Jeff Hoffman will look for his fist-rate win when the Rockies host San Francisco in the opener of that seven-game homestand. And Matt Strom makes his first career start in the opener of Kansas City's four-game series of the Angels. Left-hander has an ERA just over 4 and 20 appearances this year out of the Kansas City bullpen. And today is the day for Oakland as they are celebrating. They're holding a big parade at this time in a rally for the hometown Golden State Warriors who won their second NBA championship in three years earlier this week. That is Look at Sports. Have a great day. Stay tuned. More midday is just ahead. You are listening to the Rural Radio Network.
1: opportunities are now endless. Good afternoon, I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. With the announcement that Greater Omaha Packing was one of three packing firms, and by the way, number two was also a Greater Omaha Packing facility, President Henry Davis talked about the influx of requests that they've received since the announcement came that beef would be going back to China.
7: The hard work that the governor's done in the recent two years and the director has done, we have had in the last two months, literally hundreds of phone calls of companies and representatives from China that want to do business with us. Now, they're more likely to call us because we export to more countries than any other plant. We export to 69 countries. The uh, approval list came out yesterday afternoon late. There were three plants on those, two of those are Greater Omaha Packing Company's plants. Since that time, we had over 20 calls. So, the work that these two gentlemen have done for our state, for the agriculture segment of our economy, and for all of us at Greater Omaha has been uh, fantastic.
1: And David said having a great team has allowed them to grow.
7: We have the best team around <laughs> Angelo, Dan, Jerry Wiggs. Um, the fact that we sell to, prior to China, 68 countries, now 69 uh... we're very used to uh... dealing with the regulations with the export uh... specifications and criteria um, but we've been focused on this for a long time as we do on everything here we have invested in uh... in this plant in the last ten years in food safety alone over thirty five million dollars just in food safety equipment
1: and it adds demand to high quality beef
7: the potential is that this adds More demand for the very high quality beef for um, all beef related companies in Nebraska and in the United States. Um, For us it it adds, we're we're fortunate. Some companies they have to deal with local economies, statewide economies. We're fortunate here at Greater Omaha that our markets are all over the world. So this adds another market for us to uh, sell our product into and it adds to another group of customers that um we can be dedicated to what they need and they can be um, dedicated to buying us beef so those types of relationships are very helpful for any business and once again we feel fortunate that we have these types of relationships all over the world we have uh buyers of beef come to this plant on a regular basis in the last three or four weeks, we've had chefs from the Four Seasons in Dubai, we've had chefs from uh, the Ritz-Carlton was the Ritz Carlton, down in the Caymans, we've had several chefs that come here on a regular basis. Um, same thing from many of the different countries that we export to. Japan, we have buyers here all the time. We're the largest provider of beef into the EU, and on uh, uh, quarterly to biannual basis, their buyers come here to visit us to continue and solidify the positive relationship that we have with them.
1: Davis stressed the importance of those that work behind the doors at the packing plant.
7: Well, I appreciate you saying that, because I'm going to repeat something that Angelo Feely, Executive Vice President Great Omaha, has stated over and over. We could not do this without absolutely every employee. No, no matter what area or division or section or line or what part of this huge business that we have here, which is over 1150 employees, each person makes a very significant contribution. And as much as I do or anybody else, whether you're involved in sanitation or packaging or boxing or trimming or, or whatever the exercise is that you're involved with every one of those people makes a difference. Because it, it takes, a, we're, we work in a zero tolerance industry. There's zero tolerance for food safety deviations here. So everything has to be done right, and it has to be done uh, properly, and it has to be audited and verified.
1: And many wonder what kind of pressure is being put in place to being the first to ship beef to China.
7: Well the risk for Greater Omaha we feels is uh, very small because prior to China we already approved to sell to sixty eight other countries and Being able to meet their BEV, which is beef export verification programs, is each one of those is a task in itself. In other words, for each country, they have their own Department of Agriculture, like we do. They set the standards that they will accept beef from anyone, any other country, and we're able to to meet 69 of those other uh, set of directives and specifications. So for us, it's. it didn't involve any, any changes. Some of the things that we have to do, of course, all the labels are in English and Chinese. Each box is labeled, and each piece of meat is labeled in English and Chinese. Um, but as far as uh, the risk, it's, um, I mean, it's a, we have a lot of risks down here, and we manage them as best we can. And for us, we think the, the uh, reward is well worth the risk.
1: The conversation with Henry Davis, president of the Greater Omaha Packing. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network.
6: Again this day, we were quite a ways on all over the place as far as these cattle futures. Joe Teal at Great Plains Commodities is unavailable today. Now, we saw the moderate to sharp pressure that redeveloped in live cattle futures at midday today. And, of course, the front month June contract slid the lowest $2 $2 loss, by the way, that offset the early market gains that moved into the complex. Meanwhile, moves in feeder cattle were both up and down, and we ended up near the highs of the day or on the higher end of the trading range, but the feeder cattle complex pretty much choppy trading as well. The initial buyer support that stepped into the lean hog trade evaporated, quickly eroded, lean hog futures posted as much as a dollar 47 lower in the August contract in the cash cattle market the feedlot country was generally quiet today 128 has been your live weight bid in Texas and Kansas Kansas did sell 500 head at 128 meanwhile we go back uh, to yesterday where we had 5900 sell in Kansas at 128 some up to 130 And in Nebraska, the same thing, 127 to 130, and some dress trade at 210. But we're still waiting for more cash cattle to be traded for uh, today. As we look at those slaughter estimates for the first four days this week, cattle slaughter estimated at 467,000. That'd be 1,000 more than last week, and 24,000 more than the same period a year ago. Hog slaughter at 1,710,000, 44,000 less than last week, 5,000 more than one year ago. Dewey Nelson on the World Radio Network.
8: Bacterial leaf streak already showing itself on some corn in parts of Nebraska. We're going to take some time and visit with Tamara Jackson-Zims, Extension Plant Pathologist, University of Nebraska. And Tamara, we're catching you on the road. And you've had some chance to travel some spots around Nebraska the last few days. Tell us about uh, what you're seeing out there on your scouting venture so far.
9: Well, you know, in, in general, things are looking looking pretty good. And we're very, very pleased about that. We did not see as many seedling diseases as I thought we all expected with the amount of rain we had early on. But we want to make sure people know that there there is some bacterial leaf streak starting to show up and make sure they don't mistake that for something else.
8: What do we need to scout for for this and is it treatable at this stage?
9: Well, unfortunately we don't have research that's been favorable yet to uh, help us mitigate this disease and reduce its severity. Although we are continuing to test several different products, right now I can't really recommend a rescue treatment at the moment. And as far as looking for it, this is important. Since it does look like some other diseases, I want to make sure people are out there looking for the right thing. And so this disease is one that causes narrow streaks between the veins and it usually starts on the lower leaves at least early in the season we'll see it start on those lower leaves and the streaks can be short they can you know be an inch or less long or they can be very long and several inches and even the entire length of the leaf and often when you hold those leaves up and you backlight them with the sun it might even look a little bit
5: yellow
8: what's uh, what's been the major cause of this and, and has it been the, some of the growing conditions we've seen has it been brought up with the southern wind what what's your thoughts
5: the
9: bacteria that cause bacterial leaf streaks unfortunately overwinters very well and so it's likely that in fields where people have seen it in the past they're more likely to see it again and how severe it becomes and whether or not it impacts yield is is going to be determined by the susceptibility of the hybrid and the weather conditions that you mentioned and so we know now and suspected all along that Weather conditions are probably going to help promote disease development. And so in some greenhouse testing over the winter, we know that extended periods of very high humidity promote more disease development. And so when we have those very uh, humid or wet, rainy days like we've had in the last few weeks off and on, we know that that does promote disease. But it turns out that it doesn't always have to have that, but certainly wet conditions are going to
8: favor it. Kind of a similar situation that we had with gosses.
9: You know, in many ways it is similar, but there is one big difference that I want to make sure everybody understands. And as we learn more about this disease, and it is pretty new to us and we're working fast and hard trying to learn more, you know, gosses wilt and the bacteria causing it takes advantage of wounds to get into and infect the plant. And so often we would see gosses wilt after a hail event or a high wind or sandblasting and whatnot. Well, this disease does not need wounds. And, in fact, it takes advantage of natural openings in the leaves, we believe, to get in. And although the gosses wilt pathogen can do that, too, it doesn't seem to be nearly as effective as what we're observing with this Xanthomonas pathogen that causes bacterial leaf streaks.
8: That is Tamara Jackson-Zims, plant pathologist with the University of Nebraska. To learn more about bacterial leaf streak on corn, you can go to cropwatch.unl.edu and see that column when it hits Friday afternoon from the university. For the Rural Radio Network, I'm Joe Gangwish. Grain markets settled
6: higher today. And uh, we were with... uh, John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst, Daniel Zag, Marketing in Chicago, publisher of the newsletter This Week in Grain. John, let's visit with you first about the wheat market, since the volatility now starts uh, to show its face in the in the next week or two.
10: Yeah, just as harvest arrives. So a lot of folks, I'd say getting a gift here, but the market has certainly helped them out who are waiting to sell it as soon as they harvest. Um, July 2018, I'll fast-forward all the way to the next year, just following that price. We're at we're a at, uh, that February high at 440. So this is kind of some substantial resistance here. Uh, Kansas City wheat July, trading in the 470s. These are all levels that if you had asked me three or four months ago, it, it, where would you sell? I would sell here. Now, when you're in the moment and you're in the fire, it's it's a different emotional game. But I think if you had a plan and, and you were sitting down at 420, 20 Kansas City wheat in July, I would say this is where I would turn it loose. Um, it's a little scary to do so, watching how everything just turned around a shot higher.
6: Now, you look at corn the kind of the same way. We were seemed to be rather pessimistic in the marketplace, and then all of a sudden, we rallied.
10: Yep, and I think, you know, the overall, corn, I think, is kind of in between the weather here. It's got a good weather in the past. The forward outlooks are mildly decent. I wouldn't say they're great, but then uh you know we're kind of looking out what the forecasts are going to say for pollination. To me the markets today scream just short covering across the board. Covering of all sorts of positions. So if we start over in the livestock markets, you had those markets that have performed very well over the last 6 months, 3 months, um and a market like cotton as well that have performed just substantially well since the beginning of the year. That has given back almost all its gains for the beginning of the year now. Cattle as well just falling out of bed and then you have the grains rallying. So I think looking at Kansas City, Chicago being down four cents today, it just it tells me that we're seeing some short covering here on the grain side. Um, And if this thing's gonna really push, you know, we haven't even talked about if there's a reason for it to rally. The the fuel is certainly there, but you know, I worry that. You know, next week again, that July contract is going to run into some resistance. So, I'm a believer in the rally, but I think we we need a little more weather data, and and we need to get past this July delivery before it
6: goes. July corn. Are you going to focus the trade? We're going to focus on that more than December right now.
10: I think so. I mean, I take a poll, survey your listeners. How many of them have corn right now? They're watching July very closely because most of them have to move it in the next three weeks if, if the, the basis is going to st- you need to watch your basis talk to your co-op or elevator managers get a plan set up do not wait until that weekend before the fourth of july to sell that that is where this thing could fall apart
6: thanks john john Payne, senior marketing analyst daniels ag marketing chicago go to daniels dot com corn did finish two to two and a half higher today dewey nelson reporting